We're fortunate to have Jurek Michaels on today's podcast. Based in Belgium, Michaels is one of Europe's most in-demand skills trainers. He's also a founder of Elite Athletes, which has shared its unique philosophy on training with coaches around the world. Jurek, thanks for talking some basketball with us today. Happy New Year, and how is everything in Belgium? Thank you. Happy New Year to you, too. Um, everything is good. In Belgium, no basketball yet. We're still in lockdown. But uh, I hope this is going to be a better, better year for all of us. Yeah, same here, same here. So are you able to do anything with the kids, like in small groups, or nothing? Huh? No, nothing. No, we cannot even train outside at this point. So it's oh. not even personal, whatever. The kids cannot be in the gym. All gyms are closed. Okay, that's a bummer. Uh, to hear. Um, so, you know, I have you on because I was telling you before, like I, I came across one of your videos and I watched it and I thought it was really, really, uh, really, really great. Uh, you have a good way of explaining the game. Uh, you do some great stuff with the kids. And so um, we got in contact and I'm excited to have you on. So for those that maybe don't know who you are, can you kind of give us your basketball background and then how that tra translated into you becoming one of the top skills trainers in uh, in Europe. All right. Um, so my basketball background is just I started playing when I was six years old, and then I played till I was twenty years old. Um, and then at that point, um, I was frustrated with how things were going in Belgium. And together with my best friend, we said something like, "All right, why don't we start our own company and and give players the training that we think that they should need." And it started in just the off season because if we're in the beginning in Belgium, there was no off season. Like players just took vacation for four months and that was it. And then we were the first one to in introduce it. And from there, we just grow and grow. And now we're 10 years later, we have our own facility. We have a basketball academy and we give like workshops, camps all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. So what, um, what are some of your big picture philosophies when it comes to development? What makes you different? Um, for example, what we think as skill development is, I think it used to be a lot of block practice and on air stuff. Um, and I think we were one of the first to really integrate skills into small sided games also. Um, and I think we just had the, the opportunity that we could, experiment for 10 years and then grow the game from that point into the vision that we think that should work um to break it down real simple like what do we do what do i do as a skills trainer is i broke it down into six things so i call it become amazing become amazing at the basics and the super six so the super six would be shooting uh footwork finishing handling pressure passing and decision making so those are the six things that I, I focus on with, with my players. All right. So um, you also have a club team, right? Uh, or a club program yep. that you've uh, developed. And, and so I know you've told this story on different podcasts, but I think it's really, really important because I think it gets to part of your philosophy. So can you kind of explain what happened when you started working with a, with a club team and, and how things worked out over those first, uh, first few years? Yeah, so the, we started with a, doing a test experiment. So in the beginning, 10 years ago, everyone was talking about the quote, like hard work beats talent if talent fails to work hard. But we just wanted to see like, all right, is, it, is this true? Have someone ever tried to do it? 
So we went to this really small local club and they had a group of 10 years old uh, and they played at the lowest level. So there are eight different levels in Belgium and they played at level eight. And we went to the parents in the club and we said, we want to do an experiment over eight years. Uh, do you guys want us to train you eight years in a row? And most of the guys, they said, all right, the parents were, all right, we trust you with the kids. And then we started training our for all our philosophy. So in the beginning, we had three trainers. So I invested my own money into getting two more trainers uh, into the program. So we had an athletic trainer and then we had uh, a head coach that does everything from the, yeah, the style of play. So we started training with three coaches for one group. And the first four or five years, we were getting smashed, uh, literally like lose games over 100 points. But we kept focus on the Super 6, the become amazing at the, the basics and the fundamentals. So for the first four years, we didn't do anything five on five in practice. And then from year five, it started to change. Suddenly, we were the best scoring team in Belgium. We made it to the final four, finished second best team in the country. And now then everyone started to look like, what are these guys doing? Because we have this very local, low-level team who suddenly making some noise and we finished the last year. So a lot of the guys, they did the eight year experiment. And the last year we broke the record best scoring team of all time in Belgium, uh, played the final four again, and we averaged 125 points a game. And from that, from that uh, team, now the first guy got this, is uh, turned into a pro. And then other guys, they all get offers from second or third division. So it was, a really fun experiment and we had yeah eight years to exp to try and new things and then from that experiment we we said like all right let's time to make our our own academy from this yeah so yeah it's a great story and i think it uh relates to a lot of coaches in idaho because we've got a lot of smaller towns and the head coach of the high school is a lot of times also overseeing the youth programs and stuff like that and so you know i think that idea of uh time and just focusing on things and building up to the point where hey it's gonna it's gonna happen like you said but what were some of the things that you learned during during kind of this experiment what were some things that you thought uh when you got started and and then all of a sudden realized, hey, I've got to, I've got to change this. Mm -hmm. So I think that the biggest thing that I learned is in the beginning, I, the biggest guys, the, my mentors where I looked up to were all the NBA trainers. So I checked a lot of those guys and most of them, they all do just things on air. So the biggest thing that I saw was my players looked amazing in practice. They could do literally all moves that NBA players do. And then you watch the game and a lot of them, they did it on the wrong moment or uh, a lot of the stuff, 90% of the moves they didn't even use in the game. So now my approach is very different. I do try to do teach skills immediately into game situations with defenders where they have to make a decision. And instead of like me telling like, you need to do this move at this time, I just try to create more situations where they get different options but they did, they can choose what kind of moves they use um depending on their skills package yeah so as a coach how are you going through and figuring out okay this is the situation that i'm going to put these kids in so that they can start to make these choices and use kind of the skills that we're building on 
So how do I do it? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot of small sided games. So you try to see what kind of situations happen in the game. And then I try to mimic these situations where I want to get a different result every time. So, um, for example, how can I say it? Uh, you, you just try to build things up with advantages and disadvantages and you build up different loads to your, your drills. Um, you understand or I have yeah, to go yeah. a little bit more in depth? Yeah. Well, I, I was just kind of thinking about your own personal process of like, okay, uh, what are you looking at in film? You know, uh, is it things that you're, you're seeing and I'm like, oh, okay, we need to work on this. Is it things that the kids are doing wrong or is it things that they're doing successful that you're kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like what you personally yeah. go through. Yeah. Um, I think it's a little bit of, of both. So it depends on the group that you have. So I try to focus on what kind of players do I have right now? What are they doing good? What do they need to work on? But it, it's also the same thing is you want to, if you work with kids, you need to think like, how is the game going to evolve in five or 10 years? Because that's the level that you try to get them ready for. So for example, when I used to start working on my skill work, I did a lot of ball handling and, and a lot of finishing 10 years ago. And now it's like, all right, 50% of my practices are shooting. Because shooting is going to be the master skill uh, in the future for sure. So it's kind of it's it's a little bit of both. Um, but yeah, I think if it's different if you work also with kids or with pros. If I work yeah. with pros, it's a very different approach that I used, and I look more like, all right, what are you doing in the game? So if you're not doing ball screens in the game, I'm not going to do any ball screens in our practices. Maybe with some guys, I only do things with one dribble, for example. So it's, it's, it's a different approach depending on the age of the players that you have. And that kind of leads to my next question is how are you coordinating this as the skills trainer? Because I know with your program, like you've got the tactical person, right? That's kind of coaching the games and stuff like that. So how, how do you coordinate uh, that within your, within your club? Yeah. So that's always the hard part. Um, Cause in our club, how we work is we get, uh, specialized coaches so it means you have a head coach and then you get a skills coach a movement coach a strength coach and we all need to work together and it's hard to make it become one because if everyone's doing just their own thing there's not a lot of uh, yeah it needs to match so that's always a hard part and a lot of it is communicating because every coach has his different uh, vision but the way we do it is I just created uh, a skill development guide. Um, so it's kind of like all my ideas together. And then our head coaches created the same thing. So we have like two books of how do we want to play. And then we're going to match it together into, all right, how can we do this? For example, if my head coach wants to work on the first month of everything of coming off a of Zoom, then I need to think like what kind of moves do they need to use uh skill skills wise in that kind of situations and then we just match it together all right um so you know i know in the united states it, it's kind of changing but a lot of times <laughs> kind of our issue is that we i think is that we put kids into okay you're this and you're that um and so you're going to go down here and work on these skills and you're going to go down and work on uh, mm -hmm. different skills so I, yeah. just talk about your approach to that and, you know, how you're working with, uh, with a group of, group of kids. 
Yeah, so my vision about that is until they're 16, they're all doing the same thing with me. So our program is when we're under 14, we teach them the basics. When they're under 16, they should become amazing at the basics. And then when they're under 18, under 21, I'm going to more um, go individual. So it means, for example, I get my under 18 team, I get my six best shooters. For example, they're going to work together in one group and it's going to be more contested shooting. But maybe my six other guys, they need to still work on their form. So I'm not going to bring a defender for that part. So I try to bring more like, what are you going to use in the game later on? Uh, but until they're 16, I do everything with them. Yeah. All right. Um, how do you usually organize these development sessions? Um, just what's the process and, and what do these look like when you're working with the kids? Uh, general, the basic rule with me is I start with skills and I end with games. Um, so that's very simple the way I would say it. Um, but the, the rule that we have in our uh, academy is it doesn't matter if you're a head coach or a skills trainer, 20% of your practice should be uh, devoted to shooting. So that's uh, the first thing. Um, but how I usually work is I choose one topic and I go in depth about that topic. So I would start maybe, it can be that I start on air. And then, for example, I bring some guided defense to it and I bring it on to one-on-one -on -one, and then I build it up two-on-two, three-on-three, something like that. But I always finish. The last 10 minutes of my practice are always the same. It's always three-on-three uh, -three or four-on-four free play. So that means the last drill that I do is I'm not going to talk as a coach. I'm just going to observe and I'm just going to let them go and experiment and try the things that we did in practice. And just that's their time, always, the last 10 minutes. So that's a little bit basically the, how our practices are set up. For you personally, like how are you, um, how are you recording like this stuff? Like what's your process for uh, just putting down your ideas and stuff? Uh, I think it's, it's, it's a lot about experimenting and, again. Um, mm -hmm. And then I, I try to do something new every day in practice. So in 10 years, I haven't given the same practice twice. I always try to do something new. And sometimes I try something new and it's absolutely shit. And sometimes it's, it's good. And then I, I wrote it, I wrote it down. Um, but, and then I try to order everything. So for example, in fast draw, I try to give uh, all my drills are in there and the other coaches also and then it's every topic for example if i say i want to work on floaters i'm gonna have 40 50 drills that i tried on floaters and then i wrote down like uh, this is this drill worked perfect we still need to find something for this and then yeah you just try try stuff or for example i see something online from a different coach and then i think how can i use this one and 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 bring it into my style of play uh or my vision but i would say the biggest thing is just experimenting yeah um and you know that idea of creativity and experimentation i know that's big for you and i know that you study a lot of ways to kind of teach this what are some things that coaches get wrong when it comes to thinking about creativity and experimentation huh um I think the biggest thing that I see is as soon as a player tries something new and they fuck up, 
that the coach is immediately gonna say it. So, for example, with me, if I if a player does something wrong and they they shoot an air ball, I try to look at their body language, and I a lot of the times you see that the player immediately knows what he did wrong. So I'm not gonna give any feedback on that part. So I would say like you gotta give players the the room to try new things and be creative on their own. So for for example, like yesterday I had a session with mini basket, and I say you can do any moves you want, but the defender is gonna come at the last moment in front of you and while we're working on finishing. So like a lot of the kids, they try Euro steps, they try around the back. And then suddenly this eight-year-old kid, he was doing Euro steps around the back. So it's kind of like a really advanced move. I would never teach it, but that kid immediately came up with it. And later on, we played some one-on-one and he did that move two times in a one-on-one game and was successful with it. So that's things that I really like is I didn't tell him to do that move. He came up with it himself and now he has some success experience with that. So kids are a lot of the times more creative even than coaches because they're always on their phone. They watch the NBA every day and they, they steal with their eyes and you got to give them room to yeah, try new things and create their own style. I think that's important. A lot of coaches, they want, it's my style and it has to be like this. And no, every player is different. And I think as players, you should, as coaches, you should also try to, create situations where players can create their own style and they need to think about it because the opposite is also true if i work with pro players one of the first thing that i ask is what are your go-to moves what do you like to use and a lot of the pro players they're like uh i don't know i don't know what i use in the game (laughs) but if i ask one of my guys and they're 12 years old and they work in our academy and I say, what are your go-to moves on the catch? Oh, I'd like to use a jab step. I like to use a loaded step. What are your go-to moves on the dribble? Oh, I like to use a setup dribble, a flow dribble, a killer cross. They immediately know. And that makes them way more efficient than if you don't know your own game. Uh, some good points there. And, you know, I, the next question I have for you is obviously there's the physical aspect of development, but what role does the mental part play in a kid getting it you've kind of talked about okay let's let them experiment but what are some other things mentally that you guys do in your uh elite athletes to to get the kids thinking about the game more yeah so i think the the mindset and the mental part is probably the biggest thing that separates us um so first of all we're gonna select our players on mindset so i had guys before we did tryouts who are national team players who i said sorry there's no room for you and I picked guys who play level three or level four, but they get the right mindset. And I'm going to pick them over a national team player. Because for us, it's we want the kids who work the hardest. And if you can put a whole group together of, of guys who really love to work, then the group is going to grow anytime. Uh, we don't want guys who feel entitled or what I call, we, we screen the parents. We have a lot of trophy parents. That's what we call it. So they're like parents who... Who are almost coaching their kid and who think their kid is going to be the next pro guy. Those are the guys we don't take at the, at the academy. Uh, so first of all, we select mindset. But second of all, we're going to give them a lot of tools. So my, my partner, Olivier, he created this whole book that players get at the beginning of the season and then 
every couple of weeks they go over it and it's a lot of introspection it's a lot of for example things like you cannot not communicate what is your body language saying um creating habits things like that um for example another thing is our players they all get a key of the gym it's like it's the gym is 24 seven open. So if you want to go and get some shot ups at three in the night, you can just get into the gym. But the second thing also is me and my colleague, another, our other skills trainer, Mathieu, we're almost 24 seven available for them. So I live like two minutes from the gym. So if you text me and you say, coach, I want to work out at one in the evening, I'm going to be there, you know, and, but I'm not going to, a lot of coaches they say, ah, you have to go and do extra sessions or you have to stay late uh, after practice to get extra shots. I don't do that stuff. It's more like if you want it, we're, we're there for you. If you want to get some shots up, you can always go. And I think that's a way better approach because now it's always coming from the player instead of coming from the coach to do extra things. Um, that's something that I strongly believe in is – if you if it's always coming from the play from the coach to do extra things you're going to get players who are going to get burned out and now it's more like yeah you can almost literally sleep in the gym if you want to but it's your decision oh yes yeah. yeah no that's uh that's great that you have that uh, opportunity to uh to do that and also i think you're right um we do see kids get burned out, especially when it's like demanded by the coaches or the parents that, Hey, you got to do this. So, or moving on to kind of shooting. You've talked about this before. Like that's where the game is going in my community. Yeah. I think, um, we haven't done a good job of teaching our kids how to shoot the basketball. So I was just wondering what are some ways that, especially with your younger players, how do you work with them to, to, to help them get the ball in the basket on a regular basis um so yeah the way we set up with shooting is the younger our players are or the less experienced they are we do a lot of form shooting and a lot of rhythm shooting so we start really close to the basket um i don't like coaches will give too many cues or will just say like uh, you need to shoot like this now i think everybody shoots differently if you look at the best shooters in the game, they also shoot all differently. So the way we try to teach shooting is um, we try to see what they're doing good individually and what can we improve with their shot. But not there is nothing as a, a perfect shot, I think. Um, there are a couple things that are not negotiable. I think the first thing is your shooting hand should always be in the middle and under the ball. I think that's something that we... Yeah, it, literally every good shooter has that. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is arc. We work a lot on, on arc. Uh, good thing is, for example, right now we had the new Dr. Dish. And yeah. with the net is so high that it helps a lot uh, with the arc. So that's something that I, I really like. And the third thing is for us is balance. I think those are the three things that we work on the most. Um, but as soon as our kids get older and... With older is not the right word. As soon as their their form technique gets better, we try to bring defenders in it uh, as soon as possible. So, for example, today I had a session with my uh, a couple under fifteen guys, and every shot that we took, starting from minute one in practice, was immediately with a defender. 
Um, it doesn't mean it's immediately every shot is super contested. Now I try to work with giving them different loads, but I think it's important that a, a lot of guys, even if you just stand next to them, their percentage is going to immediately go down because shooting, shooting is, very, is very mental and you need to bring that in practice. Because I see, I see this all the time. Guys who I use a shooting gun and they shoot 70, 80% three-pointers. And then I said, all right, let's bring one defender to it. And their shooting percentage goes down to 15, 20%. So I think that's, that's something that probably one of the biggest mistakes worldwide is just do like the, the spot shooting. Even with pro guys, you see like, ah, I, I saw a practice, for example, with a pro team a couple of weeks ago. And they said, ah, to finish, we do uh, five spots. Every spot you shoot 10 three-pointers in. It's a waste of time. It's, it's a waste of time. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, I got a couple more questions for you. I really appreciate your time. Um, we had Alex Sarama on uh, about a month ago. And so, you know, he is, uh, you know, all games-based approach. What, what's your kind of philosophy there? Because I think it's a little bit different. Um, and so can you explain yeah. that? So I think I'm probably one of the only guys in the world, I think, who literally uh, experimented with both sides. So I did the on-air stuff. I did the only uh, games approach. And I can 100% say that I really believe that it needs to be a mix of both. You cannot make a guy become an NBA player if you only use the games approach. In my opinion, uh, it's, I tried that uh, for like at least like almost a year that I did. All right, I'm going to do only games approach. But you need to teach details. You need to give, if you, if you don't teach details in skill work, it's the details that make the difference between if it works or not. And I also don't believe that players will automatically do like, things like a spin move or a euro step if you never teach them that before. Um, so I, I do think it needs to be, if you can bring a mix, that's what we try to do. I think that's the most efficient, that works for us the most. Um, but yeah, I don't believe it's black and white. You, yeah. you, it doesn't work like that. Uh, I think and that's, maybe, oh, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, and maybe one, one thing others is that it, it depends also on what you get in front of you. So, for example, I get the, I'm training with the best point guard of our national team, and he doesn't want to do anything games approach. He wants to do only block practice. And I try to convince him, and it just <laughs> doesn't work. He said, this is what works for me. And he's probably one of the most skilled guys. He's the most skilled guy in Belgium, for sure but he's probably one of the most skilled guys playing the, in the Champions League in Europe. So it's, it's not like it's one way or another. You, there are different paths to make it. it. And if you look at the top NBA players, for example, it's not like, ah, oh, James Harden, he only did games approach. Or there, there are just so many different ways to, to get to the highest level. Yeah. No, no, I think that's a great point. It's kind of like shooting. Like, you know, you could still be a great shooter and have a different shot than Steph Curry. And, uh, you know, uh, our kids, we got to think of them as individuals. And a lot of times uh, when you're talking about that black and white, we're putting them into 
every kid into mm -hmm. one category. So I think that's a good uh, point. Um, hey, uh, elite athletes, uh, it, it, uh, it's uh, as far as I can tell, getting bigger, you're getting uh, more in demand. So what are some ways that coaches can find out more about elite athletes? And then also some stuff. I know that you just uh, put out uh, something big that coaches can uh, can uh, purchase. Uh, so talk about that. Yeah. So first of all, we get a, an online platform for coaches. Um, we put a lot, now with the lockdown, we had a lot of time. So we put a lot of effort in that part. So it's kind of like behind the scenes of how we work. So a, a lot of video databases, a lot of blog posts, how we teach things, but not only skills, also the athletic part, uh, style of play, um, also other things, how to deal with parents, the mental approach, um, things that we, uh, yeah, that, that we struggled with, things that helped us, for example. Um, so that's our online platform. And then in the first lockdown, I wrote down all my notes from what I've learned in the, the, yeah, the first 10 years of doing this. And then I put it all together into this skill development guide. So it's kind of like two parts. First part is everything from mental, how to deal with parents, players on the court, off the court, practice environment, culture, all those things. And then the second part is from skill development, like where do we focus on, what, what do we teach, what age groups. So in the beginning, it was more like I wrote it down to for all our academy coaches. But then I had a lot of people asking questions about it. So now I put it online and yeah, I had really good feedback on it. So I think that could be something that, yeah, 10 years of research in <laughs> one, one guide that can help, I think, players for sure and coaches, sorry. Yeah. 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 So uh, where can uh, coaches uh, find that and, and where can they follow you? So it's eliteathletesonline.com. That's the website where we get both the guide and the player platform. And then the biggest thing to reach me is I, on Twitter, I post a lot of like uh, clips of what we do in practice. And then on Instagram is more like, yeah, the bigger range. Uh, also, uh, yeah, just at Uric, uh, breakdowns of the game, things like that. All right, great. Well, coach, I really appreciate you taking the time, especially on uh, New Year's Day. Uh, it's been a lot of fun talking to you, and I'm glad that we were able to connect. So uh, good luck, and hopefully uh, you guys can uh, start competing again soon. All right. Thanks, William. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Idaho Basketball Coaching Podcast. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email me at idahobasketballcoachingpodcast at gmail.com. Oh,